Welcome to the Farming Without the Bank podcast, the show with a no BS approach to money. Hosted by a farm strategy expert and authorized IBC practitioner. Join us as we get real and expose the flaws of traditional financial institutions in order to help farmers take control of their finances, create peace of mind, grow their wealth, and leave a legacy. Now, here's your host, Mary Jo Ehrman. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Farming Without the Bank. Hey, I just want to talk to you a little bit today about how long have we been using the banks to farm? You know, it really, a lot of people don't even know, a lot of farmers don't know that in 1916, the Warehouse Act was passed and that permitted the Federal Reserve member banks to lend money to farmers. 1916. Today we are 2019. So we are 103 years into this mess. And yes, I'm going to call it a mess. We maybe need the farm. We, you know, we might need the banks at times and it might be great to leverage our dollar here and there. And they give us an opportunity to do some stuff that frankly, we maybe just wouldn't have done without them. But at the end of the day, when we look at farming, it's a little bit different industry because of the fact that you have been putting up your farm, and your livelihood as collateral for over a 100 years. And I really talk about that a lot, that we have a 100-year-old problem. And a lot of people don't think about that. Now, I want you just to sit back and think for a sec. Are you still farming like you did a 100 years ago? I mean, 100 years ago, we're using horses and plows. We weren't even actually using more tractors than plows in 1953, I think, is when we made that switch. So think about it. We have come such a long way in such a short period of time that we are actually using GPS systems and navigation systems. And the way we farm, the fertilizers we use, the the seeds that we use, everything has changed And we are starting to do things so much more efficiently, but what we never look at is how efficient we use our dollar. The biggest part of your operation is the amount of money flowing through your hands, and no one ever sits back to say, how can we do this differently? Instead, we have thrown up our hands for the last hundred years and say, well, you know what? Our only option is to go to the bank. And so let's go back to really think about when did this banking, what caused this banking issue to start? You know, I watched a documentary on the 80s, and I remember the part of the documentary where they were saying, plant tree row to tree row, and go big or go home. And so was it solely the government pushing us to farm because we need to feed these people Or was it pushing this because they wanted, you know, everybody's intertwined. Who's getting the money from the banking system and who's providing money to the banking system? And that's all the Federal Reserve. And so where is this coming from? And looking at what can we do to solve that problem? Because it truly is a problem. But what can we do to solve that problem? How can we get them out of our system? And obviously, over the length of this podcast, we're going to talk a lot about different ways to manage money and different ways to get the bank 
out of the equation or at least make them plan B instead of plan A because a lot of times they are the only plan and we need to have a plan B. The one thing that we're not going to do is beat up on your bankers. And so if I ever say bankers by accident, I apologize in advance because really it's the banking system that has got you guys hooked where you are. It's not the bankers themselves in most cases. There are some rotten bankers out there, and I'm just going to be very frank that, yes, there are rotten bankers, just like there are rotten life insurance agents and rotten financial advisors and rotten seed dealers. And, you know, there's always every industry has their rotten apple. But the majority of the time, our bankers are friends, neighbors, and even family members. And they only have as much control as that bank board gives them. And so I don't want to necessarily compare them to a puppet on a string, but that's how they're controlled. Because the bank board gets to say yes or no. I've had calls from many lenders many loan officers who are either quitting their jobs because they are being told that they can't give money to a friend or a farmer neighbor guy they've known forever, and they just can't take it anymore. I know a number of them that are quitting their jobs, a number of them that are reaching out to me and saying, oh my gosh, our farmers need to know about farming without the bank because it's really bad in the banking system right now, and I hate my job. So it's not the banker's fault. Some cases, they yes, I have run across situations where the banker has a little bit of a power mindset and they're going to come in and tell you what you can and can't do just because, you know, maybe that's the kind of person that they are. But that is not the average banker. And so really it's the banking system that's broken. The board of the bank, they may be more to blame if they're not going to lend money. But again, at the end of the day, why aren't they lending money? Because it's a high-risk investment. And so if I told you, hey, I want, you know, million dollars, and I'm going to go to the casino, and I'm not sure I'm coming back with it, you're going to say, no, I'm not lending you a million dollars. That's crazy. Because you guys are kind of playing the lottery. Every single time you put seed in the ground, we don't know what's going to happen. And so we really need to think about, there's it's a two-sided approach, right? You need the money, and the bank isn't lending it for various reasons. Sometimes, again, sometimes they're not going to lend it because they don't understand what you're doing. They're not the ones actually out there farming. Other times they're not going to lend it because it's too high risk. And maybe land prices are coming down and they're concerned about that. If that is the concern, and they are concerned about land prices, then you too should be concerned about land prices. But at the end of the day, with all that being said, you guys have given up control And you've given up your livelihood as collateral for over a 100 years. That has got to stop. Plan B is the bank. Plan A needs to be you creating that pool of money inside of a tool that allows you to access it whenever you want, for whatever you want, pay it back whenever you want. You have control and you're not putting your livelihood up as collateral. And so a lot of what we're going to talk about on this podcast is exactly that. We are going to figure out how we can create that pool of money so that you have the availability to borrow against it. You have the availability to 
grow your operation. You have the availability to leave over a legacy. And all of that is going to be done inside of a whole life insurance policy. And so if you're new to Farming Without the Bank and you've not heard the words life insurance policy, those are three very scary words for some people. If you don't know what this is about, if you haven't heard that, I really encourage you to go to farmingwithoutthebank.com, pick up the book, and read the book. Because a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast is whole life insurance that is set up correctly so that you can create that pool of money that you need. You can borrow against that. You can stop putting the farm up as collateral. Those banks can call your note anytime they want. And even though they may not have done it yet, A lot of people say to me, well, they're not going to do that. I've used the same banker for 30 years. They're not going to call my note. Um, And you know that why? I'm not here to fight with you about something so silly, but I am here to tell you that that is not a correct statement. I have seen people that have banked with the same bank for 30 years and that bank gets sold out and some city slicker comes in to run that bank and they know nothing about agriculture and they immediately start blocking loans because they don't know anything about agriculture. They don't care. They don't have anything at stake. It's all about their bottom line and it's not about the people anymore because that bank may have been a locally owned bank. And so really consider that. We don't want your livelihood to be collateral. So if we can use a correctly structured dividend paying whole life insurance policy, can we get that policy to a position where we're using that? And instead of putting the farm as collateral, we're putting your death benefit as collateral. Because guess what? You're going to die. That's inevitable. And so everything's, all the debt's going to be paid off inside that policy if we borrow against that. We start buying tractors, buying cattle, using it for operating, going on vacation. I don't really care what you use that money for. Nobody cares what you use that money for. But we are creating a pool of money where you can be independent outside of the banking system. And that is huge. Huge. And when we can leave a legacy to the next generation so that they have money to farm, that is huge as well. So a lot of what we're doing in farming right now as far as estate planning does not include death benefit, does not even include an estate plan. And so those are all things that need to be considered. And where are we going to get the money to start this thing? Well, guess what? We're going to have to pay the bank first because if the bank is still in your equation, we have to make sure we make those bank payments. And then we look at what you're doing. Where is this money going? So we can start creating this pool and we can start utilizing this life insurance policy and slowly move away from the bank. For those of you that are readers or clients, you understand how we're slowly moving everything away from the banking system. It's not going to happen overnight. And a lot of people want, they want the farming without the bank process to happen overnight. That, it just doesn't work that way. Nobody handed you 5,000 acres of ground and said, here you go, um, start farming. Nobody gave you 500 head of cattle and said, here you go, start ranching. It just doesn't happen that way. It is a slow process. And in some situations, we're having to start over because nothing was given, everything was lost. And so now we have to start over from scratch. And that 
is a slow process. It is the same thing with building the pool of money inside of a whole life insurance policy. It is a slower process. Now, let me just throw this out there real quick because there might be this question coming up right now. Well, Mary Jo, it's going to take me 20 years to even have any kind of cash value in that policy. It is not going to take you 20 years. It is going to take you 7 to 10 days. And so we have the availability to structure policies so that they have 75% of the premium goes to cash value. You're turning around borrowing that money in 7 to 10 days. That's huge because we don't have to have this huge waiting period, which is why a lot of people don't like whole life insurance. And in later episodes, we're really going to get into what is the difference between whole life insurance and universal life and and maybe give you some lessons on life insurance themselves. But today, I really just want to talk to you about this 100-year-old problem and starting to move away from that, starting to get your mind around the concept that you don't have to go to the bank. There is hope and there are other possibilities out there. You don't need to have a bank backing you. And a lot of you might think cash is the other option. Cash is not king because we have, if we use cash, you, let's say that you buy a tractor for me. Now I gave you a tractor, which is a depreciating asset. I don't care how you look at it. That tractor might go in the field and make you money, but it is a depreciating asset. And I now have your cash. So I can put that cash somewhere where it earns me uninterrupted compound interest the rest of my life, and you got a depreciating asset. So if we can do that, we have some lost opportunity cost on that money. That is a big deal. We need to make sure that we can create that pool of money and also continue to earn uninterrupted compound interest on it while we purchase things. And that is what the whole life insurance policy allows us to do. Now, that's going to give us some hope right? Some hope to get away from the system in a very short manner of time or get away from the system in a very long manner of time. It just depends where we start, what we're looking at, how your finances are. There are not two farmers that are doing everything the same. And so we really need to make sure that we look at that and that's all considered when you start this process. But doesn't matter. It's a process like it was a process for you to grow the farm, to grow the ranch, whatever it is that you might be doing. I have farmers in all walks of life. They're maybe they're citrus farmers, maybe they're almond farmers, maybe they're fish farmers, and then, you know, goats, sheep, organic, aqua farming. It really doesn't matter. And then you have all your traditional wheat, durum, soybeans, sugar beets, those sort of things. But you're all the same. You are all trying to accomplish the same thing. You have a product, you're growing that product, and it costs you a lot of money to do so. And so in that process, can we slowly take back control? Can we slowly leave a legacy? Yes, we can. So get into that mindset that there is hope, there is another way. We just don't know about it because For 103 years, we have been going back to the bank and doing the same thing over and over and over. And you know the banks are making money when they see my book and they start running scared. And there are several banks that do not like me. 
because they have a few clients that are using this system and they don't like it because of the amount of interest that they're going to lose over time. And I do find that just a little bit funny because it's just one little old me out there and it's a whole lot of banks on a whole lot of corners. And so for a bank to be worried about what we're teaching is really kind of comical because they have the upper hand. They truly have the upper hand. Not everybody is going to be a fit for farming without the bank. There are going to be some people out there that just are not going to be able to manage their cash flow. If you can't manage your cash flow, how are we ever going to be able to start this pool of money? So there has to be some discipline with this as well. And so the banks are never going to be without customers. Never, ever, 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 ever. But they might be without some high borrowers that are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in interest every year, which is either going to make or break the difference between you operating, making your operating note, not making your operating note, making money or not making money. That might be your breaking point is the amount of interest that goes to the bank. And again, they don't lose any sleep at night because you didn't make any money. They're going to lose sleep because you're going to make them plan B rather than plan A. So if you have not gotten the book and you're not familiar with Farming Without the Bank, you can go to farmingwithoutthebank.com, grab the book. I have it in audio as well. So you can go ahead, listen to the audio version. There are case studies in the book. So there are some numbers. Those will all get emailed over to you. And really look at how can we change this 103-year-old problem? How can that be changed? Because What we've been doing for 103 years is not working. When we're losing family farms on a day-to-day basis, it's not working. This is one part of the solution. I'm not going to say it's the only thing that's going to help, but it is one big part of the solution that can help. So I hope that that shared a little bit of insight as to the background of where this has all come from. But there's a, it's a, it really is a double-sided approach. You have to be part of that solution as well. The banks are part of the problem, but you have to be part of the solution. And by you going to borrow money from the bank every single year and never trying to do anything different, you're not helping yourself. We need to turn that around and say, how can we help you? How can we be part of the solution and how fast can we get that implemented so we can get on to plan B? So I hope you enjoyed this episode of Farming Without the Bank podcast, and I will talk to you on the next one. You have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Farming Without the Bank podcast. We hope today's episode has inspired you to take control of your finances in new ways. Don't forget to check out our website, farmingwithoutthebank.com, and engage with us on our Facebook page, Farming Without the Bank. Join us next week as we smash more financial myths and empower you to accomplish your financial goals. the sound of Farming Without the Bank podcast? My audio production is provided by Podsworth Media. Check them out at podsworth.com.